This is the Golden Ratio Wellness Podcast, and I'm your host, Rose Hollow, a board-certified traditional naturopathic doctor. For over a decade, I've been working in the field of mind-body-spirit wellness, and I'm an expert on the intersection of mental-spiritual wellness and hormonal balance. I'm the co-founder of Deep Roots Wellness, a holistic mental health practice, and founder of Golden Ratio Wellness, a traditional naturopathic practice, and the Peaceful Mama Protocol. On this show, I'll bring you simple strategies based in traditional medicine, real science, interviews with experts, and my own observations and insights from my time working one-on-one with some really amazing and inspiring women who have allowed me the honor of guiding them on their healing journeys. Now let's get started with today's episode. If there's anything specific, if you have any burning questions about hormones or health-related things, you can type them. What's that? Water filtration. Oh, okay. So are you currently using a water filter? Um, The fridge water filter. Fridge water filter. Okay. So depending on what you have, do do you know what you have? Did you put it in yourself? like a little oh here my husband heard me oh okay yeah I'm not really familiar with that one I like I like the ones if they filter fluoride yeah that's one of my main concerns um yeah so that's probably adequate I mean if you want to go ultimate all the way, I would say reverse osmosis or distilling mm-hmm. water or maybe a Berkey. Berkey. Yeah. yeah. And Berkey's are good because you, you get the filtration, but you don't lose the minerals with that. But uh, with reverse osmosis or with distilling, you do lose minerals. So you definitely have to add those back in. But I always always encourage people no matter what water they're drinking to add minerals anyway because we want to make sure that when we're getting really hydrated that we're retaining that hydration and that really depends on minerals and if we're if we're drinking too much without the minerals we can actually dehydrate ourselves which is kind of hard to imagine but that's just the way our bodies work. But yeah, I hope I answered that question. I, I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's probably adequate. And I like that you're doing something that's really yeah. good. And then of course, like we always want to make sure that we're drinking out of glass or stainless steel or something like that and trying to avoid plastic because plastic is an endocrine disruptor. And that means it's, it, it, adds to our estrogen dominance. Okay, Laura, you mentioned that high prolactin causes high estrogen. When breastfeeding, prolactin is going to be high. So can breastfeeding cause high estrogen? I've been pregnant and or breastfeeding for five years. Sorry, I mean, you said estrogen. Yes, yes, right. So does it work the other way around? Um, Okay, so 
Not exactly. No, <laughs> it doesn't exactly work the same way around, but oftentimes that is the case for a lot of women. So yes, if you, especially if you are not breastfeeding and you have high prolactin, or you even notice that you like some women are not nursing, but they lactate once in a while, just a little bit. That is an indication that there's a lot of estrogen in the body, but yes, it is very, very common after someone gives birth and while they're breastfeeding, especially in the first year for them to have a, be in a kind of a low thyroid, high estrogen state. It's very common these days. So another indicator of high estrogen would be, um, during pregnancy, did you have a lot of nausea or were you throwing up a lot? Um, is your baby very colicky? Those are indications that there has been an estrogen dominant state. And then if you are suffering from like the baby blues or, um, postnatal depression or anxiety or anything like that, then that also could be an indication of that. But yeah, prolactin is weirdly more accurate at depicting the, the, the estrogen state in the body because it rises when there's more estrogen. So kind of weird, but yes. So I hope that that answered your question. You felt great during pregnancy and postpartum until your periods resumed after both kids. Yeah. So that's, that's very common in an estrogen dominant state. Uh, when things start to get back on track and you start cycling again, if it's really hard and it's really bad, then yeah, that, that usually indicates that, that you're in your ratio probably isn't ideal. Well, thank you, Opal. <laughs> why boiled mushrooms would pan fried work okay this is a great question and this is something that i just learned recently there is a there is a chemical in mushrooms that is harmful and i i am not the expert in this this is a a repeat thing <laughs> So if you're really into, if you really want to know the answer, go look up repeat and mushrooms. But what I have learned in a nutshell is that mushrooms contain some sort of a chemical that's not good for metabolism and hormone health, but it actually is good for us after they've been boiled. And we're talking about like boiling them for two hours. There are some people that boil them for like 10 or 20 minutes. And evidently that's not enough. You want to see the water turn black and you may need to refill your pot with water. But, um, once the, the mushrooms are boiled and they've like completely changed <laughs> mushrooms, basically, the, when they go through our digestive systems, they're like little sponges and they actually soak up endotoxins in our gut. And endotoxins are the waste products of the, the outside of a cell when it breaks down. So if we don't get that stuff out, it's poisonous and it can lend itself. It, it plays well with estrogen dominance and hormone problems. So just like with the carrot salad, the um, mushrooms, the boiled mushrooms can do the same, but they have to be boiled for a very long time. So it's kind of 
a pain in the butt, I would say. That's why I usually recommend the carrot salad instead, because it's just so much easier. I go to Meyer and buy the bag of grated carrots, add my ACV and my um, coconut oil or my olive oil to that. And it's so much easier than the mushrooms, but is the water they were boiled in then considered? Yes. Yes. It's wastewater. And in fact, I have learned that the water that's evaporating while the mushrooms are boiling also has that chemical in it. So you shouldn't be breathing it in. So you definitely want to have your fan running to, um, filter the air. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like, they're really bad before they're cooked down, but they're really great. Once that chemical is gone. It's so weird. <laughs> Anything else I can help anybody with? This is your time. You got me. What about, um, can I just talk? Is that yeah, okay? sure. Um, so I have supposedly rheumatoid arthritis, but I work with diet to keep it under control. And one of the things I avoid is beef. But one of the things that is talked about as one of the better um, meats to eat is grass-fed beef. Right. What do I do about that? Right. That's a good one. I would say, how do you feel when you eat beef? Do you notice any difference? Oh yeah. I get joint pain within a couple weeks. Then I would say avoid it. Okay. Yep. I would avoid it. Focus yeah. on other, yeah. Focus on other pastured meats if you can, but if it causes you pain, and it's causing you inflammation, then there's no reason to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. I tried venison, but I ate a whole lot of it because it was so good. And yeah. You like venison. Yeah. So I had, I had joint pain for a couple weeks after that. From venison. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. All red meat seems to do that to me. Yeah. That's unfortunate. And I've heard that definitely have heard that. Yeah. In that ca case, I would say you're one of those people that just can't have it. And, you know, if you could get the inflammation turned around and get the autoimmune into a good place, eventually, maybe at some point you would be able to tolerate it. But mm -hmm. right now there's no reason to put yourself in the hurt locker. I mean, right. you know, rheumatoid arthritis I've heard is very painful. So I would say if it's immediately making you feel bad, like do all the other things that don't make you feel bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I want one of those orange reading lamps. Is anyone I can find on Amazon good or is there? Oh, um, yeah, I got this one on Amazon. It's, uh, it's called iGoober. <laughs> I goober. I don't know. I just, I just got on Amazon and I did a search and this one came up with good reviews and it was affordable. So that's what I picked. <laughs> I'm happy with it. It works well. And, um, you just charge it up. It has like a little USB, you know, so you have to have the little block to plug it in to charge it, but 
um, which is kind of, I think that's kind of annoying sometimes, but um, yeah, it works pretty well. And it has three levels of light too. So <laughs> you're welcome. Red light therapy. A friend of mine told me that she uses one and it helps her progesterone lotion to absorb better. Oh, really? That's cool. You know, I like red light therapy. I use red light therapy, but I never noticed it affecting the progesterone absorption. That's really interesting. So does yeah. she do it every time she puts it on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So does she have like a little, little light that she's she said it's like a, It looks like a razor and with just a strip of them. And she just kind of like this. Yeah. Like that. And then she puts it over wherever she puts her lotion on for a couple Oh minutes. my gosh. How did mm -hmm. she figure that out? That's I've never heard of that. <laughs> I don't remember. I think That's somebody told her to do it suggested it oh my gosh okay well I've never heard of it but I think I'm gonna have to try it <laughs> I mean that's yeah. part of the problem with topical progesterone for some people is that it it's some people don't absorb it very well so they can put on more and more and more and they're just not getting the benefit because they don't have the the what are they called the keratinocytes I think is what they're called like the little um cells that absorb in the skin they absorb the the progesterone molecules mm -hmm. um that's that's interesting i'm gonna have to look into that because if that does help that could be a game changer for a lot of people yeah now i'm gonna have to invest in one <laughs> yeah yeah you know i have the the far infrared stuff so it's not little like i can't really mm -hmm. put it anywhere specific Cool. Yeah. Okay, Laura, you're up. Do you have any more questions? You have a red light, but you've read it isn't safe to use while breastfeeding. What do you think? Oh, okay. So this is one of those things where they usually say it's not safe because it just hasn't been tested. And honestly, it's unethical to test things on pregnant women. If it, if there's a potential that it could cause harm to the woman or her baby. So there are so many things that say, you know, hasn't tested safe because they can't, they just can't test it. So the other concern is that, um, any kind of detoxification that you could be attempting while you're breastfeeding, there's always the chance that it could end up in the breast milk. Um, you know, I, I think there's something to that, but I like, okay. So I used to do, um, sauna therapy and, um, ionic foot baths for people. And for mamas who were breastfeeding and they had like little tiny newborn infants under six months, I would say, uh, let's just wait, you know, but after six months or around the time when the baby starts to eat solids, then I would say, you know, it, it, I would say you could, it could be 
harmful if you're detoxing into your breast milk. So it's really, you know, it's really your call. So a lot of the women at that point were like, let's do it. And I never heard of anybody having any kind of, or any baby having any kind of um, bad reaction, but I always went low and slow too with those moms. Like for example, I wouldn't do 30 minutes of ionic foot bath. I would do 10 and I would have them drink a lot of water, you know? So that's kind of how we approached it, but it's really your call. I mean, you've been breastfeeding a long time and that's, you know, mama needs some attention too, probably. So, so maybe something to consider. And I would think like red light therapy, I haven't heard of a lot of um, detox or, or Herxheimer reactions from that. I, I would think you'd have to do a lot of it to really have a die-off reaction or something. Um, so maybe just go low and slow. Your nursling is 20 months. Yeah. Yeah. Wondering the same about castor oil packs. So yeah, castor oil packs, they can cause more of a detox reaction for some people. So I would be more careful about that. If you want to do it, I would say just do it for like 10 minutes and then take it off. But um, make sure that your, your detox pathways are open. So are you, are you pooping and peeing regularly? Are you able to sweat? Are you, if you're upset or stressed out, are you crying? Because that's detoxification. Like make sure that things are moving well before you start doing detoxification things, because we want the detox to go out through your bowels, through your urine, through your sweat, and not into the breast milk if that makes sense. Yay. Good. Are, right. cast, are castor oil packs things that you recommend? Sometimes I have mixed feelings about them. Honestly, I was using one for quite a while. It, I definitely had a detox reaction. Um, I was using them overnight and now I'm thinking maybe that was too much. So, and then I had someone tell me that they were having parasites exiting their skin in that area. And the parasites were in the, the pack, the cloth. So they were saying they were encouraging me and, you know, they were like, you should you should do this and tell your clients to always change the cloth that you're using for it. Because if there are parasites that are going to come out, they're going to be in that cloth. Now I never saw that happen, mm -hmm. but now I'm like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's one school out there on the internet. There's um, the queen of thrones. <laughs> Have you heard of that brand? And they, they sell castor oil and castor oil packs and they encourage like using the same pack over and over and um, using them for long periods of time, like overnight or for hours during the day, um, all day, every day. Um, and some people do that and they have a great experience with that. And then other people, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. So like with anything, I would say like start low and slow 
just try a little bit for a short amount of time. And if it goes well, you can add to it. And if you see anything strange coming out, definitely change <laughs> the fabric. Um, I don't know. I, I, ever since she told me that I have just stopped using them. Cause I, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> Because now I'm thinking, like, maybe I should get a new pack before I do it again. I don't know. I don't know. I'm on the fence. <laughs> but I, I really like um, cat, uh, coffee enemas. I think they're wonderful. And, you know, once that is out, it's out. You don't have to worry about it soaking mm -hmm. back in or, you know, it's gone. And mm -hmm. I've definitely seen parasites come out of that. I've had clients send me pictures <laughs> of some really weird things that have come out of their bodies. But I always say like better out than in. So, you know, um, but it's also really good for detoxifying the liver and the gallbladder. It helps to remove estrogen from the body. It increases glutathione, which is a really great antioxidant. You know, it reduces inflammation and rusting in the body, which is great. If you eat like polyunsaturated fats or anything like that definitely helps to clear those. So, um, you don't think you could do that. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, for many years, I had a friend, um, Dr. Karen, like who is, uh, on the board of the Weston a price foundation. If you know what that is, it's, it's the foundation that, that promotes research about, um, traditional eating or traditional diets. So she was telling me for years that I needed to do coffee enemas. And I was like, Karen, I love you, but I am not doing that. Like that's so no way am I putting coffee in my butt. <laughs> There's just no way I'm doing that. And she just kind of whittled, she whittled me down. She's like, nope, you got to Like, this is going to help you. That was when I got sick with mold. She's like, no, this is going to help you. you. You need to just get over it and do it. And she's like, here's how you do it. And she told me what to buy and everything to do. And I actually had all the, the stuff, but I didn't do it. I, it sat for like a year. And then I met Kitty Martone and she was, doing coffee enemas. And she was like, you need to go join this coffee enema support group. They'll, they will help you. So I went and joined the support group and they were like, oh yeah, we got your back. And all I needed was a little bit more support. And I was scared of it. Honestly, I was just really scared that like, I had heard these horrible stories about like getting a bacterial infection and like people blowing up their colon and all this stuff. And I was like, ah, or like puncturing something. But, um, that group really gave me the confidence to do it. And, um, my first time was a complete failure flub mess, <laughs> but it was, it was what I needed because I had to learn how to do it, you know? And then the second time it went great and it was actually a pretty good experience. And then after that, it was, it was wonderful. It was life-changing. So, um, but yeah, I think I went for almost, two years, I think, you know, knowing that I probably should and just not, not doing it, but it was a game changer for me. And I wish I, for a long time, I did them three times a week. I did them Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that really helped 
to restore my health. I believe it, it was that in conjunction with progesterone cream, I think were the two major players for me. And I just don't have time to do that anymore. So I do it once a week. Um, and I miss it because it really helped, but it was worth it. It really was. <laughs> I'm not even a coffee drinker. <laughs> no. You know, I have a lot of people tell me that they're sensitive to coffee and I am too, for sure. Like that's why I don't drink it. Cause it makes me jittery, but, um, doing the coffee enemas rarely once in a while, I'll get a little bit, but nothing like when I drink coffee, it's more like a energizing feeling rather than like a nervous. You'd rather drink it <laughs> to each their own, <laughs> but there are other options for detoxing too. I mean, an Epsom salt bath, that's a good place to start. Or just making sure that you're having a bowel movement every day. That's a great place to start too. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. If you're a fan of the Golden Ratio Wellness Podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it so I can reach more people with this valuable information. If you would like even more content or support, please visit my website, at goldenratiowellness.info or on social media. The links are in the show notes. I hope you have a divinely balanced day.